Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, welcome into All Ball, the all-basketball podcast here on the Herd Podcast Radio Network. I am Doug Gottlieb. Man, do we have a great pod for you. And to many of my friends who listen, like, man, this is so much easier than just uh, picking and choosing uh, what to listen to and uh, on radio shows. You're welcome. Uh, we'll try and uh, keep uh, evolving. And remember, if you're if you're a basketball guy... Though there's the off season, you're still a basketball guy. So subscribe, download, make sure you rate us, tell a friend about it. And um, look, if you have a suggestion, somebody you want to hear from, somebody's story you want to hear from, because what we're going to do here as we move our way into the off season, obviously we want to cover the summer of LeBron. I, I want to, we'll cover the NBA draft. Um, and um, we'll also get you ready uh, for next year's college basketball season. But I, I want to use this to tell some stories and uh, we'll have on uh, some new head coaches, both in college and in the pros, some of these players as well, and get them to tell you kind of their basketball story. What better way, right, than a pod? Probably do so in condensed fashion. But um, to guys who don't yet have the ability to write a book, we'll do their book. You know, tell me a couple of stories. Tell me about the first time you played. Where did you first grow up playing hoop? Me, personally, it was Miles Square Park in Fountain Valley, California. Yep, that's it. Now, there's also El Camino Park in Orange, California. And, uh, you know, I grew up shooting hoops at places like Orange Olive School, St. John's 
uh, uh, St. John's Private School is where my brother first started practicing, and then El Medina High School, where my brother went to high school. Those are the places where I first got buckets. And a kid named Garrett Phipps had a flat driveway down the street. I used to go, and and um, I'd run out my house, and my mom had uh, bird of bird is it bird of paradise or birds of paradise bird of paradise plant right, and they have these big wide like leaves, right? They're a tropical type plant. I'd smack fives with the leaves. And then as I would run down the street or dribble down the street, it was about, I don't know, six, seven houses down the street at the end of a cul-de-sac. I would, I would be Brent Musburger running down the street. Or, or maybe I would be Howard Cosell talking about the game and, or do Brent Musburger interviewing Howard Cosell. And then I would play the game one on nobody, uh, get shots up and then, uh, talk about uh, my success story, interview myself coming back down the street afterwards. Um, anyway, and then Miles Square Park's where my dad used to drop me off. It's in uh, Fountain Valley, California. It's called Miles Square Park because it's a square mile. Uh, you get off on, I always get confused, is it Brookhurst or Euclid? I think it's Euclid off the 22. You head south, and there on your left for uh, an entire mile is the park. You get about... Two-thirds of the way down the left, and you'll see, I think, nine basketball courts, and there's a gym inside. I may have played in the gym like twice in my life. It was all outdoor courts, uh, three courts, three courts, then three courts. And, of course, um, you get there early. 7 a.m. on Saturdays would be the early game. bunch of dudes show up, older guys, and I would either try and get there for the first game or my dad would call game for me. And then let me help me get a team of four other guys. I'd be, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And then he'd watch me play, make sure I got in games, leave me five bucks, and then say I'll be back. And I had no idea when he was going to be back. There was the 7 a.m. game. There was the, you know, middle of the day game. And then there was the afternoon game, which is more of the high school, college, guys that had played in college. And occasionally, once I got a little bit older, I could stay and play in that game. And um, it was a ton of fun, a ton of fun. Uh, to play back in the day and then go across the street, get pizza and uh, a Gatorade. That was back when Gatorade was glass bottles. Anyway, that's where I grew up playing ball. 38th Street, Newport, a little bit of Laguna, the half court, but that was more when I was in high school and a little bit in college. I was never really into the half court stuff, which is kind of interesting because three on three is you know going to be in the Olympics. And of course, the big three you see on Fox Sports 1. We'll have one of those big three guys on as well. Talk some more hoop. But uh, let's get into the NBA. Anyway, so the point is this. Um, we're going to have guys tell their basketball story. A guy named Joe Small who played at Cal State Forge and broke my nose the day before my first uh, day of high school. Uh, I was lighting him up, hitting a bunch of jump shots. His boys were talking trash. I cut down through the lane, and he just happened to clip me with his elbow, and my my nose is just bleeding all over the place. If you go back and look at my high school yearbook at Tustin High School, this is 1991-92, my normally – large schnoz is even bigger. It's a ridiculous schnoz. And the reason it's a ridiculously large schnoz is because I uh, got elbowed by Joe Small. Anyway, um, and I, I look, we used to play there on Christmas Day. And I remember you'd go and you'd watch Michael Jordan play. And after watching Michael Jordan play, you'd take your new shoes and your new basketball and then you go and try and play at Miles Square Park. So I'll tell you more about my hoops story, my hoops life. Um, I've had many people tweet me or text me or send me messages on Facebook. There's the Doug Gottlieb Show Facebook page and tell me, dude, I, I love the stories, the Russian stories. I got some Israeli stories. Here's one for you. 
Uh, I had a Daewoo when I was in Israel. Um, our manager, team manager, barely spoke English. And I just remember that uh, the day he gave me the keys to my new Daewoo, a car that I, I felt like literally had mice inside in the engine. He said, Gottlieb, no quick, no quick. And I, I, I took that to mean don't drive too fast, like don't get a speeding ticket in this car. The chances I could get a speeding ticket in that car were slim and none, right? Like I could hold my foot down, hold my foot down, and, uh, and try and power through a stoplight, and I'm not sure the car would even make it through a stoplight. But the Gottlieb, no quick. Uh, I, I, look, I tried. I tried to spin the hub, hubcaps off that thing, take corners sharp, do fast and furious. But there's a reason that Daewoo's have not made themselves into the popular American society. I'm not even sure if they're sold in the States. And the reason would be they're not good cars. Their engines are a couple of mice or hamsters on a wheel. Gottlieb, no quick. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap up the NBA Finals. Um, I think an interesting year. Uh, look, the, the story of the NBA Finals is going to be mistold. It just is. It's going to be completely and totally mistold. It's going to be told as the dominant Golden State Warriors smushed the Cleveland Cavaliers who had LeBron James and nothing else. It, it's really interesting on what's happened to Kevin Love, how Kevin Love is viewed. Now, look, Kevin Love has taken on the role of being a stretch four and a stretch five. Uh, he didn't shoot well for a good portion of the series. Um, I think some of it is what Kevin Durant said uh, after the series, which is it is easier to be, you know, to look better the uh, to look better on a bad team and score a bunch of points than it is to be really, really good on a great team. And on the other hand, like, look, dude, Kevin Love is suffering through what Chris Bosh suffered through. When you play with LeBron James and you're going to be that, you know, you're a power forward, you're eventually going to be moved to center. And when you're moved to center, you're going to be asked to play outside the three-point line. You're going to have to make your catch-and-shoot jump shots or he's not going to come back down to you. And when you lose, it, it, it's more your fault than his fault. And look, some of it is the reality that if Kevin Love if it was a big three, over the, even going back to last year, Kevin Love would be the weakest of the three links. And he doesn't he does, it's, it's interesting that because he's worked so hard in his three-point jump shot, he's no longer a dominant player in the low post. I'm not sure he ever was, but it seemed like he had a better low post game back then, and now when he should be craftier, now when he should have a, a greater variety of back-to-the-basket moves, he kind of doesn't. It's, not, it's just not his game. He's a, it's a jump shooter's game. But... Um, it's interesting on how we completely dismiss Kevin Love as a key factor now, right? It's like, oh, yeah, and it's LeBron and nobody else. Like, when they got Kevin Love, they traded a number one overall pick that became um, a 100000000 million-plus player, a you know 20-point-a-game guy. You know, I, I, it's, it's fascinating what's happened to our, our view of Kevin Love. The fact is that this series had two very close games, one other competitive game, and then game four, the, the Cavs laid down. The fact is that... Uh, Kevin Durant was okay in game one, although his plus minus was outstanding. I thought he was outstanding in game two. I thought he was extraordinary in uh, extraordinary in game three. And I thought he was fine in game four. It was just, you know, Steph Curry went all crazy Steph Curry on us. And he, um, 
I guess if you regress towards the mean in game three, he exploded, and that, that's why you see his averages be as such in game four. You could have given the MVP to Curry, uh, but I do think the most valuable player was Kevin Durant. Outside of game one, the other three games he was locked in defensively. Um, even in game one, his plus minus was so good, it's hard to not appreciate just the amount of value he brings to this team. But the idea that it wasn't competitive, that's, that's not accurate. It's just not. The Cavs had a chance to steal game one, and was there a questionable overturn of a call? I still think they got the call right. Um, I, you might not like the process of how they got the call right, but that was the right call. You don't call a charge in that spot unless the guy is dead set planted just because LeBron James. Like, oh, well, LeBron, he did sacrifice his body. He didn't really take a charge, but okay, whatever. The fact is the Cavs had two free throws to take a lead with four seconds to go, and George Hill choked the second one. Then they got an offensive rebound, and they didn't know what to do. Then LeBron James melted down the sideline, and they were beaten in overtime before overtime ever started. These are facts. They're undeniable. Game two was competitive. They could never get over the hump, and they were still, uh, I think, reeling from what happened in game one. And when you saw the video at the end of game one, you can understand without LeBron James going, hey, next play, next play. Um, I think they, they were all caught in that one moment, the, the JR meltdown moment. Game three was also hyper-competitive. Uh, the other goal, the the other Cleveland Cavaliers played exceedingly well. Uh, this, despite the fact that Kevin Durant lit up everybody, the Cavs were still right there in position to win the game. They were. They did a great job on Clay. They did a great job on Steph, and they made Kevin Durant make the big shots, and he did. And then Steph made a big shot, and that was that. And game four, the Cavs laid down. The Cavs were a beaten team. Um. Don't like that LeBron wore the sleeve. Whether or not the story came out or was leaked before he got to the podium doesn't seem to matter to me. He's LeBron James. He was beyond reproach. We didn't need to, we didn't need to have any excuses because n- nobody really blamed him. They just didn't. And I would tell you that, like, look, I still think in s- the end of this year, LeBron should, should have some blame. Should have, absolutely, he's absolutely not blameless. Like Kyrie wants to leave, pick up the phone and call Kyrie Irving. Don't call the owner. Call Kyrie Irving. That's who you call. And oh, yeah, by the way, they would have made a trade for Paul George had you simply said, I'm staying. Get Paul George. I will promise you I will stay. You wouldn't do that. So you can do the woe is me. I don't have players around me. But the reality is you got to be ingratiating towards players. That, that's basketball in 2018. It's no different than college. The guys come to campus. You want somebody to, to commit, to, you got to tell them, hey, come play with me. Um, and then, obviously, he wanted a change. That's why his plus minus was so bad. So, like, look, he could have used some more veterans. He could have used any of those veterans that they traded away midseason. He probably could have used. But he was struggling to win with them in the regular season. And then when you get to the postseason, those young guys were kind of useless. They just were. Rodney Hood was good for one game. Jordan Clarkston was bad. Larry Nance, not, you know, bench player, not really useful. So didn't ingratiate himself. Didn't, didn't you know, honestly, sometimes you got to grovel. Sometimes you got to figure it out and beg and keep Kyrie Irving, even if it's nonsensical why he wants to leave in your opinion. But then he's gone. The trade gets you some veteran players. You're not making it work. Hey, here's the thing. You could have made it work. 
Then you get younger players, you seem super happy, and when you get beaten in the playoffs, it's, well, I didn't have the guys around me. Some of that is on LeBron. But even with that, no one is willing to blame him for the actual games in the NBA Finals, and yet it felt like, hey, let me throw out an excuse as to, another excuse as to why I didn't shoot the ball as well, which is a viable excuse. But just wait a couple days, then put on a cast, and then let other people say, you know, his hand was broken. You know, his hand was broken. And you don't have to offer up any excuses. That's not why we lost. If you do that, you win the day, you win the series, even though you lost the actual games. Otherwise, you kind of look petulant. You just do. So where's LeBron James going to go? Look, there's the possibility he stays in Cleveland. And while many of us will dismiss it, the fact is that even though this year was really, really hard, really hard, his family set there. Um, I do think he wants to own a team at some point. And, you know, could that be a wink, wink, nod, nod deal? Maybe. I also think that as much as Kobe Altman probably end up losing those trades at the end of the year, he's shown the inventiveness to make a couple of moves when guys wanted out like Kyrie Irving or they had to get rid of an Isaiah Thomas or had to get Dwayne Wade off the team. So um, they have the eighth pick in the draft. They have some fairly movable pieces. There can be an adjustment made to the roster. There will be one last push to to get LeBron, and it still is home, right? This is like the incumbent incumbent in politics. Really hard to beat. Um, That said, there's obviously some bitterness between he and Dan Gilbert. Most people get the sense it's his last go-around. It was a hard year, and he wasn't surrounded by a good enough team to truly compete. They, They needed... They needed Boston to not have their two best players in order to get the NBA Finals. So with that said, you could look around to Philadelphia. The problem with Philadelphia is, you know, we always talk about LeBron not wanting to play with kids. That's what Ben Simmons is. That's what Joel Embiid is. You know, they're two best players. Markel Fultz, that's what Markel Fultz is. I mean, children. They lost Marco Bellinelli. They're going to lose J.J. Redick. You know, you lose some of those veteran skilled shot makers and you're left with a team of really good players, really good young players and LeBron James. But that's not something that he's ever been down with before. There's the Celtics, but I, I feel like that veers them off their course of where they're going. Do you have a conversation? You do. Um, but when you take on Kyrie Irving, who's trying to exit Cleveland, if you then welcome in LeBron James, I think it becomes really hard for anybody to trust Danny Ainge as a player. General managers are already going to have a tough time trusting Danny Ainge because he's got over on so many of them with trades in the past. But when you start doing that for players, I don't love it. Additionally, I don't know if he fits into their culture. LeBron James is not easy to coach. He's not easy to manage. He likes to do it his way. And don't don't ever... Take that thing for granted. Um, There's Houston, which may make basketball sense from getting a big three, and they have been inventive in finding a way to make moves and adjust their salary cap stuff so that they can, whether it's bringing in Dwight Howard or bringing in trading for Chris Paul, they've made it work. It's been amazing what they've been able to do with the salary cap. That said, it's Houston. We saw how Barkley's career ended in Houston I don't think LeBron wants that. Look, what I've been told is LeBron's family wants to be in one of their in home. 
You know, one of his sons getting ready to to be in eighth grade, then eventually in high school. Home is Cleveland. Home is L.A. The Lakers have long been thought to be the likely destination. And while many of people think there's Brandon Ingram, there's Lonzo Ball, there's Kyle Kuzma, there's also a, a void there of veteran players that can be added. You add two stars or you add um, a superstar and then two other really, really good players to go along with their young players. Or you make some other trades. I think LeBron can craft the roster along with Rob Polink and Magic Johnson. I think he can have another shot creator or two. And I think, you know, within two years, he can compete for a title much the way he did in Miami and in Cleveland. All right. So let's quickly kind of dive in NBA draft. We're a week away. Um Look, you're hearing Trey Young, Michael Porter, great workout guys. You're going to see them drafted likely in the top 10 of the draft. And I'm writing a piece, which is soon to drop on The Athletic, about why I think they're both going to be overdrafted. Um, yes, they both do look good in workouts. And Trey Young did put up ridiculous numbers this year, although the volume of shots was equally ridiculous. The issue with both is, uh, let's start with Michael Porter there's something kind of missing in terms of his game and the idea he's going to be an alpha, go-to franchise caliber player. There's a reason he wasn't in the top five, in most people's top five, before he hurt his back. Do I think the back gives you pause? I do. Do I think the lack of production in his very few games in college basketball gives you pause? I do not. It's just it's really hard to play when – other guys have been playing an entire season. That's nearly impossible. Um, but there is, from people I know who have coached him, th- there's something missing there in regards to him being a superstar. He has star caliber talent. I think both are, they're like created from similar families. They come from great families. They are great kids. But they are both a little sheltered, a little aloof, and I, I wonder how they handle the attention they will receive and the amount of shots they will receive early on in their NBA career. And, and then I, I got to be honest with you, I'm not sure you don't take Mo Bamba instead of DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton's going to go first in the draft. But if you're going to be a 2018 center, don't you have to be a great rim protector? He, he's just not. That's not naturally what he does. And though he can shoot, it, it's not like... It's not like he's so fluid as a shooter right now that Bamba can't develop into being as good or or a better shooter. And Bamba is so long, so rangy, so athletic, and so much better at protecting the rim. His upside is frankly better. Um, if you haven't seen Doncic play, I don't think he'll ever be a superstar. But I think he's a damn good player if he's played in a system where there's a lot of ball screens. And that's most of the NBA. I think he can play. I think he can play right away. I think he'll have a really good impact. And I think with the right team that plays the right style, Luka Doncic can play in the NBA for a long time and be a double-digit, you know, 15 to 20-point-a-game score. Remember, uh, college basketball's overall talent is way down in comparison to what it used to be. It's much younger than it used to be, as opposed to when you play for Real Madrid and you win a EuroLeague, you're playing against, you know, next to the NBA – NBA caliber talent. Granted, the wings and the guards aren't as good. I mentioned Tom Tolbert was going to join us. He does now join us on the Doug Gottlieb show. If uh, if you haven't heard his show, it's really, really good. Uh, of course, uh, played most notably, like people remember him 
playing uh, for the Warriors. People remember him playing for the Magic and for the Clippers and for the Hornets. He's kind of joined us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, Tom, uh, let's start with the NBA Finals. I I think people are going to misremember this thing. Game one was a great game that the Cavs, I don't know very easily, but could have won. Game three was competitive. Game two was even competitive. Game four, the Cavs laid down. I think it was a lot closer than the 4-0 sweep total would tell you. What's your take? Well, first of all, I think you misremembered because nobody remembered me playing for the Clippers. Nobody. My parents don't even remember me playing for the Clippers. I do. The L.A. guy. I was in high school. Yeah, I was in high school. I used to go to Clippers games because you could walk up and get a seat and sit in, like, the third row. What do you mean? You can get a, you can sit on the bench. Good point. Fair point. <laughs> uh, look, I, I think, I mean, game one obviously was was the most interesting game because there, there were just so many different things to talk about. You could do an entire show plus on game one and all the things that happened during that game. Uh, game two, game four. Were, were over early. Game three was close into the end, but you just you never got the feeling, at least I did, I never got the feeling the Cavaliers were going to win this series. Even if they won game one, I didn't think they had enough to, to win this series. You go back, I don't know, what was it, 15, 16 years when the Sixers beat the Lakers in game one, and people thought, oh, well, maybe, you know, and then they just crushed them fourth or beat them fourth straight. I, that, I don't know if the Warriors would have done that, but they're just the superior team, superior firepower, and I think it would have taken uh, an injury or something really goofy to happen because winning one is one thing. Winning four is a completely different answer. No, look, listen, I, look, I, I, I thought it would go five or six. I thought they could win one or two. I, I'm not saying that I thought the Cavs could win it, but I just, like, look, the games were close. There was an injury. Iguodala was hurt. Hell, Clay got his ankle rolled up on. If it was any worse, it, it could have changed the series. And there was at least a period of time against the Rockets in which the Warriors looked vulnerable. Like, we're going to look back 20 years from now and be like, man, they rolled through, you know, in 2017 and rolled through in 2018. And it wasn't as, as seamless as I think history will tell. No, I mean, you know, compared to last year, I mean, when you're 16 and 1 and you're just smashing everybody. Uh, this one was a lot more difficult. And, yeah, the Rockets series could have easily lost that one, easily. I mean, forget the injuries to Iguodala and Paul. I mean, the Rockets had a 10-point lead uh, at halftime of game six on the road, an 11-point lead at uh, halftime of game seven at home. And those are deficits teams usually don't come back from in conference finals because they're two really good teams going at it. The Warriors just aren't a normal team. I mean, they just erase deficits rather quickly. I mean, you'll look up and they'll be down 10, all of a sudden they're up 7. They just hit you with a barrage of threes and they sink their fangs into you defensively. But no, I agree with you. I don't think it was a breeze this year at all. I think it was a much tougher trek than uh, than they had last year, obviously. Well, give me your uh, assessment of Kevin Durant. Um, he was so, mine is, is he was so good, so good early on in the uh, postseason, especially without Steph. Uh, and then he went through that stretch against Houston to where uh, he seemed to not know which way was up. He, you know, he, he, he didn't react well to the physicality of Houston. Of course, they were kind of playing three-on-five on offense, and he struggled to kind of find his space. 
when to go one-on-one. And then, you know, he was okay in game one. His plus-minus was better than his actual performance. He was really, really efficient, too. Great in three, fine in game four. But you sit there courtside, you play in the NBA, you covered this thing for years. What did you think about how KD played? Uh, you know, I, I thought in the Houston series, P.J. Tucker did a really good job of being physical with him, not just on defense, but on the boards. I mean, he put a body on him whenever he had a chance to put a body on him. And I thought he just got out of rhythm there for a while. Uh, you know, sometimes, a lot of times he'll get the ball and go one-on-one, but it's a quick decision. I thought against Houston, a lot of times it's catch the ball, hold it, hold it, hold it, which is what Houston wanted them to do and forced them to do with all the switching that they did. But eventually this guy's going to get you. He's just an elite, elite scorer. He's, he's one of the more unstoppable forces the NBA's ever seen because he's seven feet, he's lanky, he can shoot over you. You just it, It's hard to stop the guy. The really only way you can do it is get a body into him and maybe be physical with him and get him off his game a little bit. He's just one of those guys, once he gets to his spot, then he's got you. But I thought he was more efficient against Cleveland, and I thought his all-around game was a little bit better. The whole Warriors flow kind of returned against Cleveland. Much easier to do against a team that didn't practice switching all year like the Rockets did, and the Rockets are really, really good at it. Cleveland, not so much. So uh, you looked at his all-around game against Cleveland. I just think he was energized, engaged. He was rebounding. He was, he was, he was throwing dimes to guys. I thought he was really good in that series. I know people were arguing uh, Steph should have got the MVP. Either or. They could have given co-MVPs. It would have been fine. But, I mean, it, the guy is incredible, really. Uh, this was Bob Myers yesterday um, at the parade. And then I heard you tell Kevin Durant he can have whatever contract he wants next year. Yeah, that was just for the media. He can't have anything <laughs> like that at all. Mid-level. Yeah, <laughs> mid-level, behind closed doors. Because I think door. last year he told Steph he could have any contract he wants, too. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that was different. He, well, he's, he's been here from the run, you know, the way before days. He's earned it. <laughs> I, I took it as funny. Uh, how'd you take it? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it is funny. Uh, it doesn't matter how we take it, though. It matters how Kevin Durant takes it. And I, from what I hear, he's a little, you know, maybe a little more. I don't sensitive may not be the right word. I'm not sure. But, look, anytime you tell a joke and in the background you hear, ooh, then maybe you might want to rethink that joke depending on what form you're in. Maybe that's what you were going for. I doubt that's what he was going for, that ooh sound. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think it's a huge deal one way or the other. I think most people could probably roll with it. Hell, maybe he's rolling with it, didn't find it uh, offensive at all. But, but any, like I said, anytime you hear that sound, you might want to look and go, hmm, wonder if I should have said that. How do they handle Draymond in that, uh, look, he's, he's invaluable to him. He does a lot of little things. Uh, but you don't have to guard him offensively. And he he wants to be paid, frankly, above the level of his role. And while you'd love to give him whatever you want to give him, you know, like, look, if you hand out all these max contracts, it's going to forever handcuff you to get other players to fill out that bench that they need to fill out. How do you handle Draymond in the future? 
I don't know. Uh, look, I think he's worth is, is like if he isn't a max guy, I'm not sure who is a max guy because he does what those guys do on offense. He does on defense. I mean, he makes the entire thing go defensively because he can guard just about every position out there. He's a vocal leader. He holds guys accountable. He's kind of the heartbeat of the team. When you think of Clay, Steph, and, and KD, you don't really think of fire. When you think of Draymond, you certainly think fire, and he gives them that juice that they need. Uh, I mean, would it be the same on another team? Who knows? I, I don't know. I don't know what his worth would be on another team. I know what his worth is on this team, and he's every bit as important to those guys because without him, they're not the defensive squad they could be. They weren't very good this year defensively. They are really good in the playoffs, not in the regular season. But if they don't have that guy, they're not nearly the defensive team that they have been in the past few years, and that's kind of what separates them. They're really good offensively, and that's what they get the credit for. But defensively is where they really, really get after you and really make those runs. Uh, like the Spurs, I used to think of the Spurs when they'd go on runs. It was like a 14-2 to two run over like five minutes because they would just kind of strangle you defensively. Uh the Warriors, when they go on runs, I mean, they're like 24 to 2 like in like four minutes because not only do they choke you out defensively, they crush you on offense with all the threes. But back to Draymond, yeah, I, I just I think he's every bit as important as any of those guys on this team. Last thing, um, there's got to be some changes. What are they, they, did they gut the bench? Is that kind of the plan, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think they'd like to get younger on the wing. Uh, I'm not sure if McCaw's a guy that uh, – that they they, they, they they hoped it would have blossomed maybe by now. Uh, you know, you got Iguodala and you got Livingston, and then you got the four All-Stars. You got six guys you look at and go, okay, that's our core. Those are our core guys. What do we need now? Uh, they had way too many centers. Uh, they got Bell and they got Cook. So I guess they got eight now. But I think they'd like to get some more depth on the wing because you really saw what happened when Andre went out during the playoffs. And I'm not saying that somebody could come in and replace what he gives them, but they got to have some guys that can come in off the bench, hit a few shots, play some defense, and give them a little depth. I thought that's what they were really lacking this year is on the wing. Tom Tolbert, check him out on KNBR, co-hosts a great show. And, of course, uh, he's the Warriors analyst. Once again, they are champions of the NBA. Uh, we got to catch up uh, more. i, I got to hear some, some Mulligan stories, some Cerritos stories, some NBA oh, stories. Can, can we do that in the Mulligan? future? Oh, boy. You, you might not have a long enough show, or you might want to get the dump button out for Mulligan. No, no, stories. no. I got, I got, dude, I got, a, I got a basketball podcast. It's great. It's called All Ball, <laughs> and, and we're just we're going to do Tom Tolbert, UCI, Mulligan stories. It'll be great. Sweet. Me and you will be the only ones interested. It'll be awesome. You'd be, you'd be surprised. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Next week, I'll give you my entire big board. Next week, we'll talk much more about NBA drafts as well as some free agency. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed listening to All Ball. Remember to download, subscribe, and rate. I'm Doug Gottlieb.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.